Greetings and welcome to Syrup Shots Gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler, and with me this week, I've got Phil. Hey! And Dave. Hello! Each week we gather around these microphones and just talk about a different topic. It doesn't have to be necessarily about the news of gaming, but we just gather around, tell stories, and have a good time. So, before we get into the topic of the week, which is going to be dead games or uh, franchises that we want to come back and how we would imagine them coming back. What have you guys been playing this week? Well, uh, I actually have been playing a number of things this week. Uh, for those of you who have been listening along, I finished up Killer is Dead finally. And unfortunately, it did kind of fall flat on its face right there at the end. Usually with Grasshopper manufacturing game, manufacture, excuse me, games, they are either, they're going to have like a nice story kind of resolution where it's going to be one of those, ooh, that's interesting, and you can come to your own conclusions about it, like Killer7, mm-hmm. or it's purely just for fun and to be silly, like No More Heroes or uh, Lollipop Chainsaw. And even then, No More Heroes at times, though, uh, had its points where it's just like, ooh, that's that's dark. <laughs> um, but Killer is Dead, you know, it had moments of both in it. And there was this intriguing plot line that it's like they kept trying to build towards it. And then at the climax, the big reveal, it's just, you know, there wasn't the big payoff. They didn't explain a lot. A lot of things were just left unresolved. There was just some things in there. Now it just feels to be weird as opposed to, you know, be funny at the time. And so I guess that is the first one I've been truly disappointed with. And even then, I still, there were parts I enjoyed. Uh, Again, as I said last time, I love the art style. and It has given me inspiration for artworks to make in my own personal uh, work with that, like, uh, that specialized kind of shading technique for all you art nerds. But plot-wise, it's the first one that didn't make me just go, ah, that's to be silly, or... Ooh, that's it. Just it, it was the first one to really just kind of fizzle out for me. And, and I know for some people though, they're like, "Oh, well, that's Shadows of the Damned," and I'm like, "I felt Shadows of the Damned was just meant to be funny, so that's how I took it." But this one, I didn't even get that out of it all the time. So mm-hmm. I finished that up. Uh, we record this on Saturday, and I, I finished that up the next Sunday, the day after. Then uh, PlayStation Five came on Sunday. Yay! So I spent uh, like my Monday setting that all up and it's very nice in that it uses the exact same plugs as the PlayStation 4 so all I had to do was pull the 4 out, (laughs) plug two plugs in for 5 and I had already had also a nice little uh, external hard drive uh, that I really didn't use for the PlayStation 4. And for the 5, what's nice is it'll automatically install PlayStation 4 games to that, to not take up the hard drive on the 5. So um, so I've started that up, and of course they all come 
with that lovely tech demo game, Astro's Playroom. <laughs> and uh, I may have platinumed that this week. <laughs> it is a very easy game to platinum, so please don't be like, wow, Dave platinums. No, that is game number five. And but it was a lot of fun because it is filled with all this PlayStation nostalgia. And it's it's silly in that you're playing as a little robot running around inside the PlayStation. And there's all these other little robots that are like and some of them are dressing up and reenacting scenes from famous games of PlayStation past. So there's times I'm running around and then suddenly there's two like hiding behind a corner and one's like got a beard and the other one's dressed in a pink t-shirt. And then you turn the corner and then you realize there's one just acting menacingly and he's got a bunch of mushrooms stuck in his head. And then you're just, you finally clicked and you're like the last of us. It's yeah. Joel and Ellie against a clicker. And then I turn a corner at one point and then there's one wearing pyramid head and carrying another one that's like kicking and screaming. And uh, another popular one for us uh, that hosts this show, there was one, there's four around a campfire roasting a giant hunk of meat. One's got a great sword. The other's got dual blades. Uh, uh, and uh, several of the other monster hunter weapons. And so that was a lot of fun just encountering all of those. But as I said, it is probably one of the easiest uh platinum trophies to earn so i went for it uh and then uh that but that only took me like two days it was so quick and, and that, uh, not even like two oh i spent two 24 hours no uh i went to work got back home started playing around like two and then stopped at five before dinner just like so like six hours of gameplay and but I did, however, yesterday finally start the game. My brother got me for Christmas. Uh, I'm really intrigued by the plot of this one. This one is really well written out. I started Yakuza Zero actually, ah. and I am taking very much advantage of the PlayStation 5's uh, boosting of PlayStation 4 games, and the load times for this are very nice, very quick. Um, it what surprises me though is it uh everyone's like oh it's an open world game but it's more like an open world game like Shenmue than it is like like a Rockstar game hmm. the world is more like this city and there's like lots of different buildings every now and then you can go in and it just that it feels like that to me which would make sense because Sega made Shenmue you know back right. in the day so i just feel like this is probably the natural better evolution to the Shenmue system um but I haven't encountered any uh side missions that are truly weird just yet uh but it seems like the main plot is pretty serious and then it's all the side stories that give you all of like the wacky weird stuff uh, I did encounter a guy, though. He's this hulking giant. He stands probably like two heads taller than you, and his name is Mr. Shakedown. And if any point in the game you're carrying like an overabundance of money, he will literally come running for you 
and try and beat you up. And if you lose the fight to him, he steals all your money. Ooh. Yeah. So his name is Mr. Shakedown, and he hits like a freight train. It's just like, blam, half your health bar gone. <laughs> So, but also money is what you use to upgrade your uh, skill tree in the game. So I think what I might do, ah, Mr. Shakedown's coming. Pause. Oh, I can buy this upgrade, this upgrade, this upgrade. Oh, I only have like $100 on me. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> we'll see how well that works. He might just, maybe it'll be like a Bloodborne thing and I turn a corner and then it's just like, what? <laughs> oh, I didn't see it. But that's what I've been playing this week. <laughs> nice. How about yeah. you, Bill? I'm still going. I'm still rocking Persona 5, and uh, I've been alternating between that. Yeah, it's still good. I'm on the Palace of, I think it's Gluttony. Mm. Uh, the, like the greedy. I, I, I was actually, I, I thought it would be the, I thought this guy would be greed, but apparently he's Gluttony. What's his name? Uh, kind of the, the guy that bribes the kid, or not black, blackmails the kids. Oh, oh yeah, the, the mobster. Yes, yes. Kamashita yeah. oh. is the gym teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I definitely got it backwards. Um, but yeah, I'm on that palace. I'm still exploring it. I haven't played it too much during the week. I usually save that game for the weekends because it's really hard to just pick up for an hour and then put it down. Because I'm like, well, now I got to find a save point and go back. So if I have any get any time on it, it's usually on Sundays. On my those are my big binge days for gaming. Um, same. Same. Yeah. Yeah, and so other than that, if, if I'm going to do like a short uh, short bout, I'll play. I've been, I went back to something I've been, I had not never played this, and I always wanted to. So I said, skirt and picked it up. I bought Ori and the Blind Forest. Oh, and it? it's a good platformer, really. It's it's solid, and it's done really well. It's got a good story. Um, and it's, it goes to show you, you don't have to have like these really high end uh, developers or high end graphics. I mean, it's, which I should say, high end graphics. It looks amazing. But uh, it's a simple play style. It's, you know, it's, it's not a huge open world. It's just, it's a, it's a platformer and it's a lot of fun. And it's challenging, but also like it's not frustrating. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really solid. I was impressed with it. So I actually bought it on PC. Steam had a sale recently and I bought it uh bought that with the sequel. Oh so okay. I'll be for finishing both of those. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I just hook up my Xbox controller and play it. And which I recommend if you're gonna play PC game, if you're gonna play Ori at least specifically on a PC game, use the Xbox controller because Ori is a, is an Xbox or PC port. I don't think they have a a, a port for PlayStation on it. So no, the it's an Xbox, it's weird. An Xbox property. Yeah. Uh, but they did port it to Switch uh, because mm -hmm. Microsoft is being buddy buddy with Nintendo on certain yeah. things. It's like if they don't feel the property is doing maybe well enough on uh, mm -hmm. Xbox, they're perfectly happy putting it on other things like um, yeah, you know, like with Cuphead on Switch, which I, I was so happy they did that. That's actually fair though. Like the games, I think Ori and the Blind Force. I didn't realize it had been out. I think it came out in 2014, the first one. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I think that's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'd seen it. I was always real impressed with how it looked. Um, but for some reason, when I use my PlayStation controller, the button scheme is weird. It like mm -hmm. it shifts everything. So mm -hmm. I just switched it. But it works. It's a good game. But that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, I don't know how beefy your uh, PC is, but I do know for the Series X, which means that more likely happened for the PC as well, we now have a mode for uh, Will of the Wisp, the sequel, 
to run at 120 FPS. And I'm going to guess you don't have a monitor for this. Or 60 FPS at 6K. I have a 1080p monitor. I'll probably get a 4K monitor. Um, but 6K, I probably won't. Don't don't jump that ship or yeah. jump on that bandwagon. Whatever appropriate phrase I should use there, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll probably get a 4K. I do have a 75 hertz monitor, so bumping the free refresh rate would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I eventually want to get like a 4K <laughs> 120 or I guess 144 monitor. So I'm saving up for that. That, to that a dual is going to be pricey. Yeah, there there's some big purchases that I want to make. We we recently we did jump on the soundbar bandwagon. We got that put on the TV this past week, and that nice. even a soundbar like I know it's not as advanced as like I'm sure a lot of the, if there's any audio nerds or audiophiles listening, they're like no soundbar like use audio systems. I know those are better, but for our space and what we've got, we did the soundbar just and we kept a stub with 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 it, so it sounds really good, sounds clear. It's good for what we need right now, but we are definitely going to get a full audio system. In the future, Doug, we buy Doug, is just, Doug is just sitting there somewhere going, "Don't do either. Just get headphones." Mm. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but we gotta we gotta share the TV though, so there's that. But Doug, part of the reason why I decided to do this, I went down a rabbit hole with sound. Like uh, after he he recommended these biodynamic headphones, I'm like, man, it's so clear. I I played songs that I've listened to a thousand times, and I was picking up on instruments I had never heard before, picking up on sounds and cues I'd never mm. heard before. So when we were talking about getting some better uh, sound in the house, because the TV speakers are just crap, um, I went down a rabbit hole of like, what's good out there? Because I don't want to mess this up. Mm. So, if you're going to spend the money, spend the money. Right exactly. there, mm-hmm. I'd rather make it a good investment that's going to last. And then this this will be a good setup for what we have now. And then we, when we get to a point that we're buying then we'll start looking at stuff and we'll even that will nickel and dime because that that can be that could turn into an expensive hobby i've heard so we'll have to save up fair enough i haven't really been playing anything new this week uh i've just been playing more guilty geared xr uh i have it's weird you know you i've grown up playing on controllers for games and trying to learn the new muscle memories for arcade stick has been very difficult (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> especially with I don't, I don't think guilty gear is also the easiest to learn on but you know i'm just gonna jump Ooh. in yeah i would imagine like uh probably like the street fighters would probably be more appropriate for uh yeah an arcade to learn an arcade stick probably i would say either street fighter or some of the like uh king of fighter games oh yeah 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 uh, so I've been playing that, and I've been playing more of the demo of Outriders. We have well, to get this game. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'm d- I like looter shooters too, so I'm. I'm well, what did I get it for? Um, it doesn't matter. It's cross-platform. Oh, really? I'm getting it for PlayStation Five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is cross-platform. Very nice. Okay. Uh. It, it is, did look cool. I just haven't downloaded the demo yet. So my, I've I've started a second character because I want to try all the four different classes. But mm-hmm. my favorite one is a class called the Trickster. So, kind of like with Mass Effect, how you could as- assign three different special abilities, you can do mm-hmm. the same with this game for each of the classes. So my Trickster has three different abilities. The first one is a Spectral Sword, it slashes out. It makes all the enemies 
just turn into skeletons and explode with like blue radiation. Neat. <laughs> and if that doesn't kill them, they'll still explode, but then their bodies will just reform. Oh. <laughs> so they're not dead, they just want to be. <laughs> right. Um, the second ability is uh, a teleport, where you just uh, kind of look around the field, press right uh, bumper, and you teleport mm -hmm. right behind someone that's in cover. Oh, nice. So just do that with a shotgun. And then the best one <laughs> is the slowdown bubble where you create a bubble around you that slows down time, so you actually see the bullet slowly going. Oh, nice. Uh, so you nice. can actually walk out of the way, but if you let them hit you, it still hurts you. Mm. But you're still moving at normal speed, where you can go around just shotgun everyone up. And one of the things I love about this game is, yes, you can play it cover shooter style, because I found out it's made by People Can Fly, uh, the same mm -hmm. developers that made uh, Gears of War Judgment. Okay. okay. Um. So they've got a lot of experience with cover shooting. But the way you heal in this game is by using your powers. And all the kills you do with your powers heal you. No. So it really encourages you to just keep on moving. Keep gotcha. on moving toes. Mm -hmm. It is just a blast. And it does something right, too, where you can have... Whenever you do like a side quest or anything, every single one of them is replayable. So you can bring your friends oh. to do them. And feel, feel like nice. this. It takes a lesson from Diablo, uh, where mm. it's got world levels. So you can actually change the difficulty. The, the more difficult it is, uh, the better loot you get. And the rarer loot. Nice. I like that. And Dave, uh, one of the things I know that you'll love about it is once you start getting to legendary weapons, mm -hmm. they start looking organic. And oh. Yeah. Very cool. So it, it, I like that. Sounds pretty cool. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a three person uh, co op game that you can play it as, or you can play it single player. Okay. I, I am just I'm just hoping when it comes out that it has a a great end game with a great loop mm -hmm. of just to keep playing because the story's meh. I mean it's it's I can't believe it's not Mass Effect. At one point, there's, a character, <laughs> it, there's one character that even goes, "You need to be a shepherd to the people." That's a little on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> um, but so the story's meh, but it's it's decent. But yeah. the gameplay has just been oh, chef kiss, just oh. That's, that's really all you need for the for looter shooters. Like I don't care if it's that great of a story. I just want it to be fun and have replay value. Uh, the only thing I actually read a little bit, the only thing that I'm seeing that people were kind of concerned about was, and they, they could very well fix it because the game's not out yet, but uh, uh, there were some concerns about it being like bullet sponge bosses, but uh, yes. other than that... I, I, I wouldn't be lying if I said that wasn't the case. Yeah. But I kind of like that too, uh, just because it, even though they're bullet sponges they teach you that you have to attack them differently. So one of the side yeah. quests has you going after a guy who tried to kill you from the get-go, okay, when you came right. out of cryosleep. Uh, but he can heal himself. So you have to combo your abilities to take down his health fast, faster than his heal ability is. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and some of your attacks can send him off, uh, kind of throw him off, or he stops doing his special abilities. 
So sometimes it's less about, you know, them being sponges and more about, okay, how can I get a clear shot where I can do mm-hmm. a lot of damage really fast to him? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm just getting uh, nightmares. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks from uh, the original South Park game for Nintendo 64 where that was one of the bosses, though, is, you know, you know you'd get him down and then he'd rush over to the corner and uh, try and regain his health and you had to shoot him enough to prevent him from doing so, but you like, oh, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to see some great gameplay of it, I actually streamed it on Twitch under Serp Shots Gaming this week, where you can actually go and just pull up the video of me playing. Okay, cool, cool. So. I think I jumped in a couple of times, but uh, like I think you were having some technical difficulties at that point. So yeah, there was. I, I finally got it all figured out. There, it was just a matter of setting it up the right way, which was a giant pain. Yeah. But that's what I get for only having a computer, not two for streaming. Because <laughs> you know, I'm not rich. I'm I'm, I'm not a politician. <laughs> ah, fair, fair. So. All right. Well. Before we go on the main topic, anything else you guys want to discuss? Uh, I think I'm good. I have no gaming gripes this week, so... Uh, you know what? I have a gaming gripe. I'm going to bring this up, because this has been a personal peeve. I'm sure you guys have heard me complain about several times since we've all been friends. I really hate cheap game mechanics. We were talking this week about... Uh, Actually, what were we talking? We were talking about something about like. <laughs> now I'm drawing a blank. Now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it, I can't remember. But to kind of give an example of like one thing that frustrates me is when um, certain games try to extend their gameplay in kind of very nuanced and unexpected ways. Like Rockstar, as as good as their games are, are very guilty of this. And for example, if you're playing a game and uh, as you get towards the end of the storyline, all of a sudden the quests become gopher quests. It's just, oh, you have to go and talk to this person. Oh, oh well, you have to go and talk to this person. And they're on the other side of the world uh, and you have to walk um, there. They, they did something like this with that Death Stranding. They do it with almost every Rockstar game. And I, that's, and I, and I can't remember the conversation we had that sparked it, but it kind of made me think about that. I'm like, you know, that's, that's something that happens that kind of drives me crazy. We're like, I get that why they do it, and I get why they have a lot of fluff, because there are people that just play that, and they really do want to explore that level of detail in the, in the world. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I just want to finish the plot. I'm right there. Like, let mm-hmm. me just do that. So I call those uh, artificial game lengtheners. Yeah. That's, that's what I call them. <laughs> You know what game uh, I, I personally feel is the worst culprit of that? It's on the GameCube. Oh, yeah? Wind Waker. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Going oh, yeah, the Triforce A Triforce pieces. First off, it's a Triforce. It's three parts. It's three parts. I know it was a broken piece, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you don't need to make it A. And it wasn't like you were exploring the land. It's a sea. It's blue. It, it, and you, you had to get maps to find the stupid things. That yeah. stopped me from beating the game on the GameCube. I was like, I'm done. I, I, I don't have the patience for this. 
As soon as you said GameCube, I knew what you were going to be referring to because that's exactly why I stopped playing that game because it was just like, oh, the Triforce is broken. Go find it. And I'm like, oh, I looked around for a while. I'm like, you know what? I'm even like, you know what? That's fine. I'll swallow my pride. I'm going to cheat and look it up. Nope. It's all randomly generated. Well, I did hear for the remake that they, they <laughs> shrunk how many pieces you had to get and made it simpler. The one they did for the Wii U. Okay. That and they also gave you a sail that would you know, increase the speed of the boat. So, yeah. Uh, but even then, at that point, they were also like, we apologize for that. Uh, yes, I I will agree that part was uh, kind of dumb, but I, I, I powered through it and uh, I beat Wind Waker because uh, I, I was such a Nintendo uh, Nintendo file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my other fixes, Zelda. You know? <laughs> Uh, but the one in recent memory for me that was notorious for that was a really artsy game that otherwise is a really nice game called Lost in Shadow for the Wii. And what it is, it's a platformer, a 2D platformer, where you play as a shadow that has been separated from your body, like a Peter Pan kind of situation. Oh, okay. And so everything is done in nice 3D. But you are running around on the shadows that are creating this environment in the background. So changing light things can change where the shadows are cast. Exactly. And then certain things that otherwise would not be a hazard for you, like a regular person, is suddenly a hazard for a shadow. So there's like a uh, a wrought iron fence, but on the top of the uh, bars of it, it's got these real sharp, like decorative points. That's a pit of spikes for you as a shadow. So, but, and what's also cool is eventually you find like a mystic item in like the shadow world that allows you to enter doors and become like a being of light and actually move about tangibly in 3D. But then you get to the end and it's like, oh, you need to find these three hidden like puzzle items that were previously in the game. And the thing is, you have been going up a tower level by level by level by level to get to the top, only for it to then say, oh, you need to go back down. Here's an elevator. Uh, good luck, dum-dum. <laughs> and I was just like, oh! And then it just adds more puzzles on top of that, and it's just like, Oh my god. And then it ends with a boss fight, and there have been no boss fights and not really any very many enemies. If I don't even think there were enemies totally. at the end. So it was just like, wait, what? So I still love the game. I still recommend it. But <laughs> I put an asterisk by it. <laughs> it it should have ended probably about three to four hours before it did. I think Dead Space 3 was like that. Maybe about three or four hours, but that game was definitely like maybe an hour and a half longer on the ending than it needed to be. Yeah, and, and then, uh, well, as I said in a previous podcast, they cut the ending off, the real ending. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so... Uh, it probably felt even worse for the people who never did that because, you know, that was basically like a false ending that the the game on the disc by itself ends on. 
and you don't get the really cool cliffhanger one at the end of the DLC, which sets up for Dead Space 4 that's probably never going to happen. Thanks, EA. Love I'll you, actually, I'll have to actually look that up. I don't think I ever saw the DLC. Like, I was so disappointed by the main ending. I didn't even look into anything else about them doing DLC or alternate endings for that. Yeah, yeah that'll come out after uh, Anthem 2. Mm. Oh. And a choir of angels might fly out my butt while we're at it. That's more <laughs> likely. Yep. <laughs> so, I, I've got one gaming graph. I just want to say really fast here. It's It's been irking me all week. And I'll just say it real fast and we'll be done with it. I love the Avengers, uh, the game, from Crystal Dynamics. I love it. It's, it's, it's broken. It's flawed. But I love playing it. The... They're fixing a problem that's not a problem and creating a bigger problem. The problem with that game is you're playing as superheroes and you don't feel powerful. You don't feel like Iron Man. You don't feel like Captain America playing it until you get until you reach level 50 when you're able to knock everything. So what did Crystal Dynamics say they're going to do this week? You know, we feel like people are leveling up too fast and getting powerful too fast with the abilities. Never mind the fact that you... Once you hit level 50, you're still only at, like, power level 90 for your gear, and you still have to get up to 150 for that. There's still mm -hmm. the grind. Yeah. We we feel people are going too fast, so we're going to slow down level progression. If anything, you know, if anything, they should have sped up level progression after you reached level 50 with one character. Each character should go a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. uh, and then yeah. also... Uh, I figured they should have just left it alone, and it sounds like this is their answer to fix the problem of them not getting the uh, DLC characters out in a respectable amount of time. Because we just got Kate Bishop, what, like, a month ago? Mm -hmm. And wasn't she supposed to come out, like, pretty close to after the game launched? So, so it's just like her and Hawkeye were supposed to come out before the end of last year. Yeah, and that didn't happen. Nope. So I think that's what they're doing. It's like, well, we're going to slow this down so so people keep playing. But I'm like, you're not going to get people to keep playing if you're just taking them off. Mm -hmm. We want more characters so that way we can level up. Give me more. That's what we did last time when we played. I am the highest with Hulk. I'm level 50. I'm like power level 143. But all of my other characters were not even hit 20 yet. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to play as uh, Miss Marvel and power her up a little bit. Uh, okay, yeah, I haven't played a Thor. He's pretty weak. I'll do that. You know, Ugh. If you give me more characters, I want to do that more. Then, you know, now you want me to do even more grindy crap? That, and, that's and, not... And they don't, they don't have great avenues for the grind either. I can... I can do a high, which is just one of like five different levels that you do 15 times, uh, mm -hmm. or one of four bosses, only which of two are actual villains. Yep. Um, it, yep. Diversity in gameplay, uh, in enemies, diversity in locations, mm -hmm. different things. Add modifiers. I don't, there's got to be a better way to mix up the gameplay. It's not mm -hmm. just throw more characters to play as. You could keep it mm. at the same roster as it is right now. It could be a great game if you had better diversity of playing and how you have to approach things. Mm. 
I, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, they really only have two kind of classic Marvel villains, and even then, they're kind of. I mean, Taskmaster, okay, you know, but he's no like he's no Magneto, he's no Doctor Doom, he's no, uh, you know, he's no Thanos, that's for sure, you know. Oh, well, yeah. But and then you got uh, Abomination, and that's like that's it. And I'm like, you're absolutely right, though. Uh, I think the enemy variation is pretty good for, like, the regular, the robots and stuff. They could reskin those robots to the end of time and, you know, give them different abilities and, you know, relabel them and stuff. And it would fit well with, like, the canon of the game. But you're right. I mean, the big main villains, if you had just added more and, you know... Yeah, I, I'm just agreeing with you 100%. Sometimes it's not even that you have, like, a ton of enemies. It's just that you made them characters and the encounters are done with them so well that you don't mind that there's not a lot. Like, um, I think one of the best examples of this is Resident Evil 7. In the first chunk of the game, where it's really the survival horror aspect, you're going up against the Baker family. and that's like all the enemies you get for a good chunk of time, and it's terrifying because they are real, tangible characters. They have personalities. They taunt you like Freddy Krueger at times, and it's just so spooky and unnerving. So if we had more of that in Avengers, like maybe just in like a handful more of these bad guys rather than just like, oh, it's another clone of Taskmaster. Right. Yeah, and, and and you bring up another point there. Their story dis, uh, description of it is they're clones, so they are mm -hmm. capable of having depth or growth as a mm -hmm. villain. It's just yeah. higher numbers. Yeah, um, it would even be cool if like they evolved in a way. Like Abomination is like Hulk. You know, he's got lots of different versions of himself. Like maybe. The first time you kicked Abomination, but uh, he goes back to AIM and MODOK like, okay, we're going to inject you with more uh, mutation juice or something. And then he starts looking more, you know, like a different version. Or, you know, maybe they want to have a little fun and they inject him one time and he looks like the version from uh, the Edward Norton uh, Incredible Hulk movie. You know, stuff like that. I mean, that would be an evolution and a progression and it would be fun and it would still be like, Oh, it's still the same character, but he's different. Well, in Taskmaster, they could easily do that without physically changing him. Every time mm -hmm. he comes in, he's got new moves. Different mm -hmm. moves from different... You don't even have to bring the Marvel character in. Just have him have, all of a sudden, man, he's fighting with uh, sticks kind of like uh, like Daredevil. Well, isn't he also like... Now, again, I'm not as big a Marvel fan as I am. DC, but isn't Taskmaster supposed to learn like yeah every he, move? That he... He's he's supposed to be an amalgamation of everyone he goes up against because he's got a photographic memory where he can see it and then do it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like he should be like Mister Freeze in Batman: The Arkham Games. You cannot defeat him the same way twice. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But he clearly, every time you fight him in the game now, it's just punch, 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 dead. Dodge. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep.
I'm pretty sure that was the uh, thing that we talked about that made me realize about uh, artificially inflaming, artificially inflating game time. Mm. Artificial game lengtheners. Yep. Yep. Is that that heavy grind of, you know, we're gonna make it really, really hard to level up your character just by reducing the requirement for experience? Ah, uh, yes, Avengers Infinity Grind. <laughs> Yeah, only this one doesn't have a uh, end game afterwards. There is no end. Yeah. Game. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nice. And on on that sour note, fix the game. Uh, let's talk about game series that are dead. That you want to see new life, and how would you how would you imagine it being brought back to life? Phil, you know what? Go first? Actually, yeah, I was actually yeah. I'll, I've already. St- I'll just keep talking. I'll just. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it was actually funny when you brought that up as a topic because I know I had said for a really long time there were two games specifically that I have been wanting to see make a comeback, and one of them has already come out, and the other one was just announced, and that is Battletoads and Ghosts and Goblins. And their the Battletoads came back, and Ghosts and Goblins came back. And granted, Ghosts and Goblins was just announced. I haven't watched too much of it, but from what I've seen and from what I heard so far, it's exactly how I would have imagined it coming back. And the same for Battletoads. Yeah. Uh, the it's only thing that I'm mm. Battletoads. Oh yeah, I've played it. I no, haven't no, finished no. it yet. No, Ghosts and Goblins is out. Yeah, it came oh, out. I believe this past week. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. and I'm gonna add that to my log. <laughs> I gotta play that one. I heard it was just as challenging as the originals. Is is what I've heard on that one. And I liked platformers a lot as a kid growing up. I liked Ghosts and Goblins. I never beat it myself. Um, I think my brother beat the original one. Wow. And of course, well, he beat it, but then had to start over, and then didn't beat it. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember which one that does that if it's the NES or SNES, but you you basically beat the game and then they're like, oh, you forgot a key or something yeah. like that. You have to go you back. Forgot, it was like a weapon, wasn't it? Like I think so. Yeah, yeah and then you, uh, you go back and you have to get it and do the whole game over again, but this time the enemies are harder and you don't have any more lives. Yeah, it's a, it's one of them artificial game. Like, now, it's excusable back then because at the time, you know, most video games at that point had been arcade games. So, you know, they were meant to be, you know, hard and artificially long, so you would keep pumping quarters in that. But then they brought that over to home gaming, and, you know, then they finally eventually realized, oh, people like to beat things. Yeah. Well, and that was, honestly, that was a, at first time, it was a good way to add length to a game, was making Mm -hmm. challenges. And yeah. you would, you know, you would replay the same thing of like, oh, I got so far, but then I couldn't get past this level. And like, you, that, you know, you just, you played it because there was nothing else to do that weekend. Uh, so that was, that was a good way, you know, it made sense at the time. But then again, even in like Nintendo and Super Nintendo days, there were games, like you said, that were just easier to beat. Like you could play your RPGs and stuff like that and get through them. Not everything was Ninja Gaiden and Ghosts and Goblins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, are, those are two big ones, but I don't know if those count. Uh, if I had to say another one that I'd like to see is honestly like a 4K 60 frame uh, F0. Ooh. Uh, Beast and beating heart. Right. 
And like, I think uh, Chris had made a point before where it's just like a lot of the cart, quote unquote, cart games that were coming out kind of got beat by Mario Kart because F-Zero doesn't have blue shells. So I think a lot of people like that mechanic, but I think it would look amazing on on today's systems, especially if they brought it on, if they made it multi-platform and put it on like PS5. Yeah, yeah, it's like a launch game for the Switch Pro running at 4K. I would, I would definitely give it back to uh, the Sega team that made uh, GX because they did a phenomenal job. I just the thing that gets me though is that like Nintendo has said repeatedly that like we don't know what to do with this series, and it's just like. Well, you know, at the same time, uh, other people do, and I'm surprised you haven't, like, licensed out the, or not licensed it out, but allowed another company to make the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those, like, I, they're treating it like it's a sacred egg, and I'm like, guys, there's been five F-Zero games, and um, three of them were for, uh, you know, pretty much 2D systems. <laughs> uh, so, like the fast racing guys, you know, like fast racing Neo, and it's just like this. You play that game, and it's like I can't believe it's not F Zero. So I would have like, I would have been like, you know, hey Nintendo, could we make like an F Zero game? Well, let's see what you got. And if they show you that, then you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree though that like there definitely is a place for that kind and play of game. I would say it's not as it's a bit more it's one of those really niche things for a racing game and maybe that's why they don't want to do, put so many time and resources to it. Yeah. But, you know, that still doesn't mean as of right now they just use it as like a fun easter egg in games when you know and it's like it's like teasing the real fans of that game. Yeah. I mean, I suck at racing games for the most part, but even I would love another F0. So here's my pie in the sky hope for a new F Zero, okay? Mm-hmm. I, first off, Nintendo camera one here, real fast. You and me, Nintendo. <laughs> you don't know what to do with it. I can help you out. Just make more. It don't. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just more tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's what I pie in the sky, and I know it won't happen because one, Nintendo has terrible online infrastructure. I love Nintendo. Get your stuff together, Nintendo. But mm-hmm. imagine, if you will, 4K, 60 frames per second, 30-cart multiplayer F-Zero online. Yeah. Where everyone is a real, actual person. Yep. You know, they wouldn't even... I think they could honestly just re-release GX with all of the AX tracks included and characters like unlocked immediately. You know, it's just a remaster. You don't have to, you know, you know, just upscale it so it works, you know, at the speed rate we need and play it online just like that, where it can be that. That would be amazing. I mean, on the GameCube, that game was running at 60 FPS. Solid. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, oh, and there's... I would, I would, I would, 60 bucks instantly. Yeah. yeah. And, and there were times where it's like, that game was moving so fast and it was like melting your retinas. Like, didn't they have like a rainbow road track in that? 
where yes. you are going this way and the track is moving this way. So you're looking at it. It looks like it's moving at almost double the speed. And at the same time, you're like, this is so much fun. But I think I'm getting motion sickness. <laughs> oh. that, was a, that was a good series. Mm-hmm. It was. It, that's, yeah, that's something I would like to see them bring back. Yeah, but I don't think there's been one since GP Legend on Game Boy Advance, which was based off of that anime series they had tried to do as well. Uh, but then ever since, it's just like, oh, we put the uh, Captain Falcon's car in Mario Kart. Yeah. Oh, we uh, put Big Blue in Mario Kart. I, I, I would like to see Captain Falcon yeah. in his own game again. Captain Falcon in Smash Brothers. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Nintendo has just like finally said, you know, we now have characters that we want to treat respectfully more because, you know, they're more well known for Smash Brothers than they are for, you know, their own games. And I'm like, I believe that's called your own freaking fault, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mario Kart doesn't have Big Blue in it. I want I want to clarify this real fast. It has a tribute to Big Blue, but unless I feel like my skin's going to be ripped off from going too fast. It's not big blue. Mm. It's not and fast enough. Yep, yep. You know, if they if they think about it, right now is the best time to come up with a brand new F Zero because the technology is there to have that level of intensity and visuals. Yeah. Just just saying, if Nintendo's yeah. ever watching this. And if you don't know what to there. do with it, uh I think there's a lot of people chomping at the bit who would be happy to, uh, you know, at least, you know, give it a try for you. Hell, you can have, uh, audition for the right to do it, you know? <laughs> uh, Again. Okay, uh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Again, pie in the sky here. I don't necessarily like the EA connection, but can you imagine for a moment that Criterion Games, the developers of Burnout Paradise, making a new F-Zero? I haven't played any Burnout games, so... <laughs> Burnout Paradise is a is as close to a perfect open-world race game that you could ever possibly have. It is hmm. phenomenal. It's From what I've understood, it's really popular for its visuals, and like Tyler said, it's open-world, and people do crazy stunt-driving stuff with it, so why not? Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they have proven that they are quite capable with racing games. Very cool. Give them a go. Sorry, I, I will stop ranting. I'm you guys are getting me fired <laughs> up tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also would like to see though uh just for uh for giggles, I would love to have like a point though where like you're running around as your uh, pilot, not just always in the racing machine, you know, so maybe we could actually see some footage of Captain Falcon actually using his Smash Brothers moves outside of, <laughs> you know. I, I would love to see him Falcon punch one of the other characters in the face, you know, like Samurai Goro or Black Bull I, or I Octoman. <laughs> I can just I can just see there'd be a scene there where they have to do a press junket, and you just have James McCloud, a.k.a. not Fox McCloud. Not Fox's dad, yeah. yeah just sitting there <laughs> Folded arms going, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, 
And don't they have one that, that looks like Mario? His name is Mr. EAD. After, yep. uh, and uh, he has like a Starman as his belt buckle. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It would be great if he starts talking and then like malfunctions like the robot suit in Total Recall. Like, I'm going to be here for two. Yep. Yep. <laughs> starts talking like Max Headroom. <laughs> starts talking all of a sudden the star music comes out. <laughs> oh, hold on, we got to fix this antenna here. Uh I'll go. I'll go next with mine here. So I want to right. paint a picture for you guys. Okay, we're back in in ancient Greek times. Okay, and Medusa has perfected her magic, where not only does she turn the living to stone, she can now control them. They have become her army, and she plans to conquer the world. No one living can stand up to her. Okay? Hades okay. is pissed about this. Hades is sitting there going, I'm not going to get any new souls. Because if they're trapped in stone, they ain't dead. I ain't getting my my share. He goes down to his, his sea of souls and pulls one out. And goes, look, I know who you are. I've got a proposition for you. You stop Medusa, and I will give you back your life. You are the legend of Argos. You. You'll, you'll get it in a second here. And yes, I have your weapon. The disc armor. Nice. <laughs> Rygar. Nice. I don't think I played so, that one. So, oh, so that was an old school <laughs> NES game. Where you you attacked with a shield that was on a chain. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and it was made yep. by Tecmo Games. And looking, I did a little research on it. You played as an undead character in that game. He was an undead mm. warrior. And ah. the, uh, and the uh, original name for the arcade game was Warrior of Argus. Mm -hmm. uh, the first game, the enemy was the Ligar. But I was trying to think of like a way how they could plot wise have him come back or why Hades would let him out. Mm hmm. And the way I could no. see them do it, doing this game is it's not called the disc armor because it looks like a frisbee disc. It's because you can get different power-ups for it that are little disc-shaped gears to change what it can do when it extends out. One of them can be poison spikes at the end or a flame wheel. Or like... Hmm. Okay. And then have it play... Uh, appropriately for Koei Tecmo, like a warrior style. Ooh. See, I'm not sure how I didn't play this game growing up. That sounds right up my alley. Now, I have the original Rygar for the NES, but I didn't ever really play it back in the day. I got it as a collector years later, and I tried it out. Uh, I actually, though, had the PS2 Rygar yeah. game, and I got decently far in it. Now, uh, I remember with that, though, the disc armor, it, it acted a lot like the Blades of Chaos from uh, God of War, in a sense. But they also had, like, some really cool enemy designs, and uh, you could summon uh, famous Greek monsters from history. So 
it, it was even crazier is one time in the middle of class, you know, we were uh, chatting with uh, about stuff, and then suddenly one kid, I forget what he was doing, but he just suddenly goes, Cerberus! Exactly like he was in Rygar, and I'm like, wait, is that a... Oh, it's from Rygar. I'm like, you know about that game? <laughs> so it kind of blew the teacher's mind that day, but uh, and I had a good bit of fun. I just don't recall ever beating it, though, because it just kind of like fizzled out on me. Uh, but uh, it had great music. Like I can still hear. And they had these like giant turtle monsters that would come at you. And most of the game was 2D with a lot of like mm-hmm. jumping puzzles and whatnot. But then they would also have an open world area in the original game where it was like overview Legend of Zelda style. So you could use your disc armor in all four directions. So cool. That would be cool. Yeah. So, like I said, if they were to bring it back, I'm thinking Koei Tecmo's warrior style. Mm-hmm. And then, instead of having different characters to play as, you insert the different discs to have different play styles for Rygar. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, now, have either of you guys tried, ironically, called Hades? I want to. I have not yet. I have heard. I have not yet either. It's very similar to what you're describing for Rygar. So basically, you play, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, you play the son of Hades. And his whole uh, purpose is to get out of the underworld, or to get out of Hades. He's trying to escape. And it's a, I think they call it Rogue Light, where if you die, you have to go back to the beginning. But they actually make it part of the plot. It's not that frustrating, I don't think. And every time you go back, you're able to level up your character and get stronger. So mm-hmm. there's a little uh, bit of a Enter the Gungeon there. did the same thing, where the, every time you played it, you unlock more and more guns that you can get in the Gungeon. Right. And and it's the same idea of like, okay, you can go and you can unlock different weapons, and every weapon's going to have a different purpose, a different play style. Sound like you know, you've one of them is you've got the basic sword, so it's you know basic middle range swing and hit, but you've also got a spear that's more longer range melee. You've also got a bow and arrow. Um, I recently unlocked a literal cannon. Oh, that's that's an option later on, but uh, it's actually pretty good. And the music's solid. It's good animation. It's it's a really good game to check out if you're if you're looking for that kind of like arcade style, uh, like Enter the Gungeon or like what Ry- what you described for Rygar. That is on my list of ones I'd I'd like to, to mm-hmm. play because that I've just heard nothing but amazing things. Yeah, highly <laughs> recommend for anybody that's a fan of like old school gaming. Sorry, I just had to look up. Uh... Tecmo Koei actually did a game called Warriors All-Stars uh, a couple of years ago for the PS4. Mm-hmm. And what it was, it was kind of like, a, it was a compilation game in that it took a bunch of characters from their franchises, and it was a Musou game. And so I just had to look and just to see if, you know, maybe they had already... Yeah, no, he is not. <laughs> but... I was looking though, and but it's like there's so many characters in it that are. I'm just surprised. Like they have uh, several characters from the Dead or Alive series, from the actual Warriors games, both Dynasty and Samurai Wars. They have a couple characters from the Altelier series, which is about alchemists, I believe. I'm like, I don't think they fight in those games. And then they even had characters from Night of Azure, which is the game I played at the ending of last year. And it's just kind of, wow, I didn't know you were that popular to get in this game. 
<laughs> but probably, but probably what they were looking for is really just another endowed female character or two to put into the game. Because uh, out of all the uh, dead or alive characters that they put in, there's only one that is male, and he's also Ryu Hayabusa, you know, from the Ninja Gaiden series. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had to look. Uh, I, that would have been cool if Rygar had been in there, because I really liked that idea. Uh, also, there was even... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just, it, it reminds me of another... Uh, I want to say it was a launch title for the Xbox 360. It, it did well enough to get a sequel, but then that series kind of fizzled out with, like, you know, just gone. Uh, 99 Nights, it was uh, a game like that, but it was fantasy-based. Hmm. And so, you know, there were dragons on the field, and you're fighting, like, frog soldiers and stuff like that. So, interesting factoid real fast here, because I was reading up on Rygar. Uh, mm-hmm. it's actually um, a slight mistranslation. Yeah. Because your main character is just known as the Legendary Warrior. They've kind of taken mm-hmm. it to take on the name Rygar since then, but mm-hmm. it was supposed to be Ligar, which was the final boss of the game, which was a lighter. Oh, yeah, too. Okay. Just a neat little factoid. Yeah. Which also was oh. weird, because it was, it was Ligar, you know, Lion monster, but mm-hmm. it was swinging around two serpent heads as its weapons. <laughs> I'm not like other girls. I have snake arms. <laughs> <laughs> if you get that reference, uh, the lovely Astiff movies on uh, YouTube. <laughs> I love those. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's snake arms. Yes, it's snake <laughs> arms. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, uh, would that be? Uh, did you have any more with that? That that was kind of my 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 big thing with that. I I, okay. I think that could be a lot of fun, and I that's just one of all those old school NES games. I just have a a fondness for that. I used to play all the time. I think that would translate well to a Muso game, though. You know, maybe because there have been some games though where they've the original. They have tried with some of these to translate it to 3D, like Metroid, for instance. You know, the originals were 2D shooter platformers. And then when they tried to bring it full 3D the first time, they were like, how are we going to do this? So that's how we got Metroid Prime. And that is so well received, you know, that that's kind of. I would say almost the standard for 3D Metroid titles if you're going to do a full 3D. We won't talk about Other M. I honestly felt that if they were going to do a true, nice 3D Metroid game, they should have given it to the Tomb Raider team. But that's just me. Uh, I think I've spoken about that before, actually. Um, But then also, like, the gameplay for that was the original Metroid gameplay was identical almost for Kid Icarus. I mean, you know, you put those two games side by side, and it's almost like one's just got a coat of paint angel color compared to the other. But then when it came time to bring that finally, you know, when they finally brought that one back from the dead, speaking of dead franchises, uh, they made it into kind of a hybrid game where, you know, you started the game 
almost like a on rails. Well, it was an on rails uh, Star Fox like shooter, and then it switched over to a ground kind of combat uh, exploration kind of deal. And uh, you know, that's another way to change up the formula, though, so it makes it new, but also keeps some elements of the original. And I think a, a, a Muso Rygar would do well with that. And maybe if they incorporated some elements with jumping puzzles and things like that, which isn't necessarily standard for a Muso game, but I think that would do well. Yeah. Make it like a hybrid between the two. Like halfway between a, uh, like a halfway between like a Devil May Cry and a Muso. And not not even so much a Devil May Cry because. I would say even Devil May Cry isn't really puzzle focused. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know, get some more. Uh, but well, really, there are a lot of puzzles in uh, uh, the original Rygar. Were there? Yeah, not so much. There were the wise men that you would find that would give you like, um, like one of the things they would give you was an ability to uh, go across uh, caverns by shooting like a uh, connecting rope. Oh, okay. Well, maybe uh, then, like, uh, maybe then just more like uh, 3D platforming in it, a, a 3D platforming element into it, like a Muso game, though, where you have to have, you know, you also have to consider your, uh, your uh, I have the high ground, Anakin, you know, things like that. So I just thought of something here. Has there ever been a Metroidvania style Muso? Ooh. Uh,. Not that I recall. That piece could be good, where you have to explore around, and there's different areas you can't get to until you get specific power-ups. Hmm. And then oh, well, uh, Hyrule versus... Warriors was a bit like that, but yeah, you could find the item in the level uh, while you uh, were playing. So, But they did have that where, you know, like, oh, you need the hook shot to get to this area. So you had to go find where the hook shot was in the level, you know. I'm almost imagining it kind of like a Muso Metroidvania, but instead of it saying, like, you have to go through here first, just like, mm -hmm. here you are. Explore. Mm -hmm. Kind of kind of like Breath of the Wildish in terms of, you don't have a real direction. There is a final boss, but you don't know how to get there. We're not going to tell you how to get there. Just mm -hmm. keep going around, killing things until you find the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that could be fun. I, I wish they need to be a bit more experimental with some game style sometimes. Yeah. All right. Phil, any input? No, I'm not too familiar with Muso, so I was just okay. Yeah. Um, just kind of think like Muso games are basically just you're out in open field. There's hundreds upon hundreds of enemies, and you're just plowing through them like there's nobody's business. Oh, kind of yeah. like uh, Dynasty Warriors. Exactly. Yeah, that, uh, Dynasty Warriors is a Muso game, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I thought Muso was the name of the game as opposed to, like, the style. I, um... Is it called Muso in Japan? Is that how it got its name? I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, basically, you're basically playing as a god while all your enemies are tissue paper. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the name of the style of it. I'll have to... I, I never really got too much into those. I think I tried Dynasty Warriors, 
And I must have, I think I played one of the later sequels, which weren't as popular, so I didn't really get into it. And then I just never picked up that style of game again. Hyrule Warriors is one that I thought about picking up just because I think we had talked about it on another podcast where it doesn't take place in the battle that supposedly uh, causes um, Breath of the Wild, like where they all kind of... Yeah, it's uh, the prequel. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that is uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, the second Hyrule Warriors game. Gotcha. Yeah, but I, I, I specifically wanted to see that story play out. I remember when I played Breath of the Wild, I'm like, man, I really want to know what kind of battle took place here that these guys just are really... The characters were kind of just defeated a little mm-hmm. bit there, and I'm like, I really want to see what happened. So I, I thought about picking that one up. Now, I think, though, from what I have read, because I haven't played through it, all completely just yet but i think that there may be some time travel shenanigans Mm. with uh this and so uh what happens in that game isn't necessarily the uh true ending of what would have what happened to lead to the breath of the wild stuff gotcha Uh, because otherwise, I, I think maybe they changed it because otherwise that would just be a depressing game. Because <laughs> you know how it's going to end. Everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. Except Link. He takes a nap. Yeah. Link takes a nap for 100, 100 years. 100 years, yep. So, uh, but yeah, no, it, it was, the original was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And it, it was kind of like, they described it as being uh, Zelda's Avengers because, you know, you got to see all these characters come together you never would have seen otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, sorry. You're good. No yawning on the podcast! Uh, I have the tired, I'm sorry. This is why we can't have nice things. Well, that and kind Hey, you'd be nice to me. You're the one who always falls asleep early. It's true. Shot tired. <laughs> Uh, All right. On that note, Dave, what game would you like to see redone? Well, there's many I want to talk about, uh, but I was trying to think this through. But there are some that I think, uh, and I'll talk about this in a bit, but there's one series that I really think now is the time they could bring it back and do well with it. It was a game series I say would be way ahead of its well, it's part of a still popular game series. This was just a side story, side, like a side game to it. But I think at the time it was very ambitious. Uh, there were a lot of cool mechanics in it, but the internet networking for it just wasn't there yet. And that's ultimately what made it suffer. But I think now would have would be the time to bring it back but i wonder though if it's like left such a bad taste in the developer's mouth that they just think it's like cursed or something but i would bring back uh the i would bring back the resident evil outbreak series of games now again those were a ps2 uh game uh it was file 1 and file 2 and really File 2 wasn't even so much of a sequel as it was like an expansion pack for the first game. But what it was is was it was an online multiplayer co-op Resident Evil. And what it was is that they gave you 
specific scenarios and it told like other tales of the raccoon city survivors and you played as a group you could choose from a group of eight mm -hmm. and you could have four people play at a time over the old playstation 2 network uh but there were also some decisions at the time that you know probably weren't the best i don't believe there was voice chat at all you had to use like the pre um pre-made statements that you could uh, rapid fire, you know, off like I need healing or stuff like that. Um, and, you know, you could play it by yourself, but at the same time, the AI was stupid. They were some of the dumbest AI in gaming history, I think. And, but, you know, it was you with you and three other survivors being put in these scenarios to try and survive and get out of Raccoon City on, you know, that night in Resident Evil 2 and 3 where just everything goes to crap and you got to escape before they, you know, waste the city with a nuke. And it was like you could be playing in a bunch of different uh, scenarios. Like in one, you had to go through Raccoon City's zoo to escape uh and but with that it showed you then a bunch of different t virus infected animals that you would otherwise not see in the main game so like in the zoo there was a hyena exhibit and a lion exhibit so there are zombie zombified hyenas and uh female lions running around and then there's like a gigantic level boss that is following you around most of that one which was a t-virus infected elephant and it acted like the tyrannosaur a dino crisis you know it would burst its head through walls at times and <laughs> try and snag you with its trunk and stuff like that and, and and you know that was cool but the network would just was so unreliable you couldn't talk to people it still i believe was tank controls also and you had the inventory management system of the old resident evil 2 but that was also one of the benefits because you had three other people with you. But if you can't tell them exactly, hey, hold this, you know, because I'm out of space, you know, that just makes more problems. But and so I think now, especially now that we've had a couple co-op Resident Evil games, uh, we've had a wonderful remake of two and three. I think now would be the best time to try and remake those games or release it even as part of that multiplayer Resident Evil game that they have now, the asymmetrical one, uh, Resistance, mm -hmm. uh, that would be just like an excellent addition to that game. You could add in all of the outbreak scenarios, and only this time now there is the fifth player who is, you know, controlling all of this nonsense. Right. And um, But then like you could still have the scenarios. Exactly. That would be a cool way to do it uh, and still, you know, have all of those little things. But I think now the technology has finally caught up with what they wanted to do. And there were so many cool ideas that they have now recycled for uh, Resident Evil Resistance. I just wish now they would have it be this kind of co-op experience, though, where it's, you know, you all against the, you know, uh, trying to reach a common goal of escaping. But there were so many cool ideas, and it's like now they are recycling them for resistance in that there are now character-specific abilities. Like, 
uh, one of the characters, there were, I, now I don't remember all their names, but one was uh, a police officer, uh, Kevin. And I believe he had access to the better guns because he was a, a Raccoon City police officer. And then they had uh, Cindy, the waitress. And, uh, but she had like all of her little waitress uh, pouches. Like she had like a waitress fanny pack to keep her little waitress apron to keep her, her order book. And then also like packets of salt and stuff. So she could hold uh, more like herb based items, you know, those healing items. Mm -hmm. uh, they had Yoko, who was a student who was practically useless, except that she had a backpack. And so she got three additional item spaces for holding things. And then they had a plumber who was like an ex-con, but he knew how to make uh, weapons out of just junk. So, you know, if you needed a shiv or something, he was your guy. And then there was a doctor who could help heal you better. And there was even one character, and he was just a subway worker. But what he had, his special, he had a lucky coin. And you could flip it, and if he got heads, his critical rate would go up. Ah. And he could flip it up to three times, and which would make it 30% better if he got three heads in a row. So then it would mean like you had a 30% larger chance of you know, like blowing a guy's head off with the pistol or something like that. Now, he wouldn't have any decreases if he rolled, uh, flipped the uh, tails, would he? I believe it would reset, but... Uh, okay. yeah. Oh, and also, he could play dead. <laughs> if Carlos failed, he could just lie on the floor and just, nope, I'm dead. <laughs> I feel like I tried Resident Evil Outbreak a long time ago, and like I, I think you're spot on with the network. I feel like that was an issue where it just... It was very hard. First of all, it was hard to get it to play, and then second of all, it was hard to find anybody reliable to play with if you were playing it online. I, I mm -hmm. feel like that was like I think I tried the very first one. The uh, best experience I've heard about it was, and the reason kind of why I grabbed it, but I could you can't recreate this anymore because the network is long since gone. There has luckily been a fan community who's managed to make a private server, but it's only for the uh -huh. Japanese version. So. And I don't want to go through that kind of a headache. So, and I don't think they can recreate it necessarily because I think Capcom has said, like they, you know, lost the code or just the infrastructure for it was so specific they couldn't recreate it again. So that's why I think it would be nice to, you know, remake this series or incorporate it into Resident Evil Resistance, and. Um, but the best experience I heard, I had a buddy, and this was my senior year of high school. He was in college at the time, but he and his, uh, the people in his dorm were big Resident Evil guys. And I think they managed to land network like four PS2s together. But then they were just like a room away from each other and they just had their doors open. And so they're like, hey, can someone hold this for me? Sure, I got you. <laughs> you know? Nice. Which you couldn't do normally, though. So, yeah. But now, with today's technology and talking over the internet, it's easy. Though so mm -hmm. I'm like, well, why haven't you tried it again? And in some cases, they have, or have taken ideas from it uh, and put it in different series. But I would just love to see that particular one come back because I would love to see 
these survival stories of these characters because there were certain ones that were quote unquote canonical for specific characters. Like uh, I believe like the police officer, Kevin, uh, his was, you know, he was at the bar, you know, drinking and ending a shift having an after shift drink. And then, you know, the outbreak, you know, hits the fan and then he's got to escape, you know, the city. And then, you know, there's the zoo and then through the hospital and then through uh, the raccoon woods and stuff like that. And that one spoofed like uh Texas chainsaw massacre. And so I would love to see that too. Yeah, it was a great concept. I, I remember being excited about it, but I think I think I had a similar experience as you where I picked up and I just had a hard time getting a good game and then just not playing. I may have even rented it. I don't even know if I owned it. Mm. Uh, also, it was great because it added to the lore of Resident Evil because then it suddenly made sense for certain things in the game. Like, right. the giant alligator in Resident Evil 2 for the longest time made no sense. But then when you realize, oh, there was a zoo in that city and animals were getting infected, okay, the giant alligator is making a bit more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but again, though, just also, even if they did remake it, you know, I would rework the AI to death because mm -hmm. I remember my brother was playing it, and this was at the time where I had really not, I was interested in Resident Evil. But Doug was the one who was, you know, actively playing it. He was the fan. I'm just watching at this point and, you know, just having to sit down. So we're chatting with each other and he's just, you know, handling the controls. We were in the zoo and there was a part where we had to swim through T-virus crocodile infested waters to get to the other side of an area. And a guy, one of the AI guys got stuck in the pool. Like, literally was just swimming around in a circle, still avoiding said crocodile, by the way. But he, like, wouldn't die and wouldn't get out of the pool. And it got to the point, like, my brother had gotten far enough in the game that he finally realized he can't complete it if he doesn't have all survivors present. Now, if this guy had just upped and died, he could have beat it. But the guy was so good at dodging crocodiles... And swimming in the circle that he never was able to. And it was just so stupid. Uh, and, and what I would do, I would I would have it be the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake style controls, you know, like you know, the Resident Evil 4 style, um, mm -hmm. over the shoulder look. Uh, I would then definitely boost like some some enemy AI and you know, really have it like the the zombies like they are in the two and three remake. But at the same time, I feel you could really do this really well at this time because you have two games now that have mapped out Raccoon City. All you would need to do now is add in these extra areas and fill in these gaps. It would be a great Easter egg, though, to revisit some of these areas as well uh, so like, you know, maybe Kevin has to go back to the police station, but it's just like a small section, but you already have that mapped out. So it's just like, oh, I just need the lobby. There it is. I, I, I just want to see that zoo again. <laughs> that was <laughs> nuts. Uh, it was so much fun. And, uh, 
it was also a way to bring back a lot of anime types for the uh almost Zelda for the Resident Evil games because it like took every single creature and put it in that game only in like different spots for different areas. So like you know you had all the different hunter variants you had uh you had the the plants the the ivy you had all these infected animals and then each zone ended with a specific boss fight that had like its own unique uh enemy mm-hmm. so like for the zoo level if you didn't beat the elephant by the end of the level it was going to be the elephant but if you beat the elephant by like locking it up or killing it it was then a male infected lion that was like uh way faster than anything else in the game so did you talk about this making me think of a different game that actually might be a good honorable mention for uh comebacks that need to be remade but did you guys ever play parasite eve yeah well i I have I have them. It is on my list now to play it, but mm-hmm. that is also one. I the thing was I know they tried to bring it back, but they were stupid enough they did it on the PSP. They made oh, really? the third game on the PSP, and I hear it sucked. I, I I had heard a third game came out that wasn't very good. I didn't realize it was a PSP exclusive, uh, mm-hmm. but the first two were solid. I thought. Uh, from uh, granted, I haven't played it since probably since they came out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I'm being honest, and I think they were, were as Resident Evil of just like there were these monsters you didn't know how they were created, and there was this backstory of like you know corrupt people creating them, and I think there was a zoo involved at some point. Mm-hmm. Nice, but. Uh, no. I vaguely remember. I mostly just remember the title and the style of gameplay that it was, and it was very much like tank style controls. I think actually, no, I take that back. I think they did have it kind of pop down, at least for combat. It was because mm-hmm. it was kind of like Resident Evil meets Final Fantasy. Uh well, Square Square made it. Uh, oh, it is, there you go. Yeah, it is on my list of uh, like the next classic game I'm going to touch upon. Uh-huh. It's going to be it. I think. Nice. So Tyler, looks like you want to add something. <laughs> Yes, because I remember seeing it in the news recently, and I was just pulling it up. Final really? Fantasy oh. VII Remake producer talks Parasite Eve, said it would be a waste to not use this franchise rich and deep characters, and they have already teased about a classic series coming back this year from Square Enix. Nice. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be against it, but I gotta say one thing. I really hope they don't make it episodic. They did that yeah. with Final Fantasy VII, and I want to play the Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I want to wait until they at least announce the next chapter. That's kind of my rule right now. It's like, I will absolutely, I would love to play it, but I don't want to get my hopes up and play it now. I would rather wait until they at least announce when the next one's coming out because they drugged the the first chapter out for so long. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I know they have said, though, that now that the first chapter has been made, they have a lot of assets that they can just reuse. But yeah. then again, I've also, I think I've heard that there's been like, some significant changes to the plot in places. And uh, now that they have announced uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade with the additional uh, episode attached to it, I'm not even going to plug in my PlayStation 4 version. I'm just going to buy that version for PS5. Um, 
did they come out with the next chapter or is this just kind of a DLC thing? It's, kind of a DLC thing. Yeah, it's a it's a chapter with Yuffie in Midgard. Oh. Yeah, it's like an untold story of Yuffie. Yeah. Uh, mm. Without really spoiling anything, the name Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm-hmm. Remake doesn't mean it's a remake of the original game. It means mm-hmm. something else in terms of the plot. Oh. oh. Like they like, like, well, they did. They didn't say they were doing the plot completely. I shouldn't say completely different, but they were doing the plot differently on this one. Is that what you're referring to, or is there? Yeah. Or is this like but, some time travel alternate dimension shenanigans? <laughs> okay, with that face, I'm correct. <laughs> okay, that's not fair. I mean, travel, not not time travel. Okay. okay, that's fair enough. I don't okay. want too many spoilers on it because, like I said, I do want to play it, but. I'm hesitant because when I I loved Final Fantasy VII when it first came out, and mm-hmm. uh, I like Midgard was all of like five or ten hours of like an eighty-hour game. So, yeah. and that's the entire remake. But I mean, if you yeah. say that there's something different to make it more complete, maybe I'll pick it up. But right. uh, it, it has a great ending point, and the actual campaign of it is about forty hours long for just Midgard. Right. Is. It, it, right. is, it is a full-fledged okay. game. Now, I, I, I have a question, if you can maybe clarify, because I haven't played it yet. Mm-hmm. I know, I think Chris and Doug have, but is this like a situation where they've added enough now that the original could now be considered like the Cliff's Notes version of the story? Because that's what they considered like when they remade... Uh, when they made Metroid Zero Mission and when they made uh, the Metroid Samus Returns remakes, you know, they were essentially the same game, had all the same parts, but they added enough, like, extra chapters that, you know, now you had the full-fledged story, and the original was still the original, but it was the Notes version now. I could very much make that case, uh, and I will okay. give you an anecdote to kind of help uh, okay. bring that together here. So, when people played Final Fantasy VII back in the day, they're like, Mm -hmm. it's the great question. Tifa or Aerith, right? Yeah. Right. They have developed her so much, Jesse has now entered that as the trifecta of, of, you know, Black Mm -hmm. waifus for the game. She is is a fully-fledged, not just a throwaway character. Mm -hmm. Her... Wedge Biggs have been fully realized. Okay. Okay. So they really wanted to explore everybody, not just yeah. because I mean those characters were in, integral to the plot, you know. But they, you were right; they were throwaway characters at the time. Although there is something I thought was kind of interesting uh, with Aerith. She was a fully developed character, battle uh, combat wise. Like mm-hmm. you could level her, level her up, and grind enough to where she would have. She had a limit break. She has. She had. She had an entire skill tree that you could give her from that, as much as any other character, despite what happens in the game as early as it does. Well, that's like a twenty-year-old spoiler. Yeah, so, I yeah, that's past fair. That point. That is also fair. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, but with, with her, like you were able to develop her, but I, I think what makes me hesitant and granted, I, I've, I've heard that the original creator had a big hand in the remake and, 
you know, had a lot to do with the development, which made me feel a lot better about it. Like, I was really on the fence about it until I heard he had his hands in it. And the reason why is because I believe, and fans, if I'm saying this wrong, you know, feel free to correct me. I remember reading a long time ago that the creator based Aerith off of his own mother. Because when he wrote the story for Final Fantasy VII, he was grieving. And he created Sephiroth as being her death. And Aerith was based off of his mother because he said that his mother was a very quiet, soft-spoken, very nice person. And she had passed away at the time, uh, I believe from cancer. And Sephiroth was represented as that cancer. And if you really think about it, that also makes sense as to, like, Genova gave birth to Sephiroth. And Genova was kind of like a freaking tumor, really, uh, when you really think about it. But that was a big part of his motivation. And so when I get concerned about, like, the next chapter coming out, like, I don't want to feel like I'm in the middle of a story before anything else like even like in Final Fantasy aside like I'm that way with you know when The Hobbit was being made like and judgments aside for whatever people think about The Hobbit but like I didn't watch any of them until all three were ready to come out and I watched them in sequence so let me ask you this um, you love Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 right those are kind of the same things right where they right. they had an ending point but that was clearly not the end, correct? That's true. That, that's a fair. That's a fair point. Yeah, okay. that is true. What I can tell you without spoiling is there is a clear end point to Final Fantasy VII Remake that you know there's going to be more to follow, but it is a natural and great point, so that way you can experience a whole new story come the next game that comes out. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think you're right about uh, the creator. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find it because I know he used Final Fantasy VII actually as a way to express a lot of his grief mm -hmm. uh, with his mother passing. Um, and I know that's also why uh, he had a big hand in the Final Fantasy Spirits Within movie, uh, in that he was also, he wrote that also in response to that, because he was kind of also coping with, uh, you know, where where do we go when we pass? Right. And, uh, which makes sense when you see the plot. I'm trying to find, though, any, uh, you know, specifics on, you know, his mother's passing, but I do know that is actually his big, mm -hmm. um, I guess it was like the big trauma of his life. I guess, you know, he was, right. just, you know, he loved his mama who doesn't well for norm for most normal folks who doesn't. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. Norman Bates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't go there, but like that, that, that's like when you see that much being put into a story, I'm like, man, I really don't want to like dive into this and then be in the middle of it. Cause I know how Midgard ends on the original. I was like, it would be a huge cliffhanger, and I wouldn't want to like be caught in the middle mm -hmm. of that. It, it's I, I would I would word it kind of like it's almost like Empire Strikes Back, 
you know more has to follow, but it is right. a natural ending point to give you a breather before the next one comes out. It, it's it's in the the next one, you'll know the characters, but it's still its own unique story. Okay. okay. You might be talking me into it. I'll, I'll get through. I have a backlog that I want to get through, but I might, I might buy it soon. Okay, Don't, Phil, uh, I'm, uh, I found an article. I'm sorry to poop on your parade, but apparently, uh, one of the reasons it was actually uh, the death of his mother was. Uh, it has been claimed that she died during the production of Final Fantasy VII, but she actually died in 1988. But. Oh. Uh, even still, though, I do know specifically about Spirits Within, so maybe some of the, but apparently, like, the big driving force behind it was actually Tetsuya Nomura, who was the character designer, and he suggested it with because he was exhausted by how death had been portrayed in the Final Fantasy games up to that point. Okay. Yep. But, I mean, I'm not poo-pooing that idea because, you know, he himself has said, though, that, you know, that was... And, you know, 1988, uh, hold on, let's see, how old is this guy? Real fast, while Dan's looking that up, uh, Phil, you have PlayStation Plus, correct? Uh, no. I think. Well, you, you have play, to with, play, you uh, play Avengers Online. Wait, so then maybe I do. I th- do I, so do you have to buy PlayStation Plus to have, like, a yeah, PlayStation it's, on it's, my... Yeah, it's 60 bucks a year. Oh, well, then, yes, I have it. Okay. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is the free game this month. Okay. So you can literally download it for free. And I get to hold on to that, too, don't I? Uh, As long as you still have the PlayStation Plus service. Right. Well, I just just renewed mine for a year last time we played, so... Yeah, so you will have it for a full year, at least. Yeah. Okay. The only thing it, it it doesn't get is it doesn't get the PS5 glow up if you get the PS5. Right. Okay. I, mean, I, might, I might hold out if they, if they have any kind of a PS5 upgrade for it. I might hold Ooh. out, but we'll. See. I've got a backlog that I want to get through first before I pick it that game. It looks like he was either 29 or 30 when she passed. So I would did, say that's still pretty young for uh, yeah. for having your mama pass away, unless yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah, that definitely would be. Uh, that would be a contributing reason. And, you know, who knows? Maybe some of these are just kind of send-offs, a way to, you know, remember. But Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, did they, I guess I can Google that after the recording, see if they if they have any confirmation of him, like, saying that, that she was an influence at any impact uh, mm-hmm. on the development, character development. Yeah, yeah. No, um, and I did have, I, I, uh, I had talked to Tyler about this earlier, if you guys don't mind me uh, changing this topic. No, uh, I I had some last couple games that I think from dead franchises that need to make a comeback. And what inspired this was actually Nintendo did bring a franchise back from the dead recently. Uh, on the last Nintendo Direct, I know some people were probably absolutely did not care about these games. But for me, it's kind of a big deal but they brought back the Famicom Detective Club. Those were two uh, mystery uh, kind of visual novel style games for the Famicom disc system. So literally the floppy disc system for the Famicom. Um, 
never made it to American shores at all. There was like one remake uh, for the Super Nintendo, and then it was never heard from again, except for a few. Yeah, except for a few uh, cameos in Smash Brothers as trophies or stickers or spirits. You know, Ayumi Tachibana, the sticker and trophy for that. That's the character from Famicom Detective Book. They've brought it back, and they're going to release, like, part one and two. And well, well, actually, it's two separate games, you know, the first and second game. But uh, they're going to release them as, like, digital. But now they're being done as, like, a visual novel style, like they are done nowadays. Um, like games like Phoenix Wright and stuff like that. Um, and I'm very happy to see those come back. But I think Nintendo could also take it a step further with some of these older games that haven't been touched upon in recent memory, but are still considered very uh, and dear to their hearts. In some cases, you know, they've been perfectly fine having them just cameo in Smash Brothers or like a nod here and there. But I think what they could do is... If I was them, they have now designed this really nice uh, art style that seems to work for recreating like old Game Boy games uh, in the modern era in 3D. So I, I call it toyetic looking. So I would mm. say Link's Awakening, the remake on Switch, is toyetic looking. But it looks uh, appropriate as they're remaking an old Game Boy game. I would say the new Pokemon yeah, Diamond, and Diamond Pearl, yep. Pearl remakes looks very toyetic as well. So I'm thinking, why not do this <clears throat> for a couple of those old games that they just haven't touched in a long time and bring them to the modern era? You don't just... I guess it would be a remaster instead of a remake this time. So... What I would then do, I would do games like uh, the Mysterious Murasame Castle, uh, which is the game that Takamaru is from, who has appeared in Smash Brothers as an Assist Trophy. Uh, he also had his own game in uh, Nintendo Land, Takamaru's Ninja Castle. Uh, I would also make the game a bit easier because that game is hard as balls. That, oh, that game is frustratingly hard. Just I, I have. Ask Dave, is that something I need to uh, edit? I don't know. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as an Balls. <laughs> Balls. Uh, but uh, it is. So, it was so difficult. Uh, so I, I would take that the difficulty meter down by like about mid level now. But I would put it in that toyetic style. You could have a bit of fun with it. It'd be great to see Takamaru running around and fighting all these little toy-looking ninjas and stuff. Um, and, it's, and it's true that they, they still hold uh, a place in their heart for this game. They've released it on the virtual uh, virtual console. And in one of the Samurai Warriors games for the Wii, there is a mode that is you play as Takamaru and it is like a retelling of the game, you know, but done in warrior style. So they like had an exclusive deal with Nintendo for that version on the Wii and you get like the bonus mode. Um, 
I think they also should like remake in the style uh, Star Tropics, which it, it, there was only two games on the NES: Star Tropics and uh, Zoda's Revenge. Star Tropics Two, and they were they played like Zelda. You know, they were top down. Uh, a lot more emphasis on puzzle though, and there was even like a crazy puzzle where uh, you had to find the code for like. It was kind of one of those Metal Gear Solid puzzles. You had to find the code for the radio station, I believe. Uh, and, and and unlike Metal Gear Solid, where it's like, look at the back of the CD package, you know. It was, uh, you had to, in the game box, there was a letter from your uncle. And what you had to do was you had to take that letter, and then the clue, it said, like, with water, it will be revealed. You took that letter and dumped it in water in real life and then you would reveal it would reveal like the radio signal that you needed and stuff like so that would be fun yeah uh i would do games like that uh also wouldn't like the original excite bike being remade in that style be hysterical (laughs) yes although i think Excite Bike being done in the style of um, uh, the Octopath Traveler would look amazing. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, just some of those games where it'd be really cool to have that two and a half D looking style mm-hmm. with the toyetic look. It, it just would be a great way to bring these games, you know, back without really necessarily doing like a whole big revamp. It would just be kind of giving them, you know, a you know, it almost feel like a restoration. Like you got this rusty car, and this, all that this fixed all that rust, fill those holes, shine it up, brand new coat of paint, boom! Oh, you know, it's still a classic, but we can appreciate it for how good it looks now. That's what I would do. Uh, Hudson Soft did this uh, actually in the GameCube days. They released, and they were Japan only, but they released the uh, the Hudson Collection. And they did that. They remade some of their games into an AFD. So like uh, Bonk's Adventure, uh, Load Runner, and a couple other of those. And it's just kind of like, why don't we do that and put it in like a package deal, like an NES remix style box, you know? Is it kind of like the, the newer Bomberman games? Yeah, a bit, yeah. You know, still kind of the classic gameplay, but, you know, fresh coat of paint. I can maybe it. don't put maybe don't put Simon Belmont in there. <laughs> yeah, that may not be as great. Yeah, there is a Simon Belmont in the uh, Bomberman game for Switch. <laughs> ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Pyramid Head's in there too. Yeah, now that uh, Konami owned Hudson. <laughs> yep. Well, guys, we're coming up on two hours here, so I think this has been a oh wow episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts before we sign off for the night? Nope. Not. Uh, I guess I would just always say fans keep hammering these companies to, uh, you know, make what we want. I know there's time for innovation, but there always is also uh, the one word that they use, the one phrase they usually say in media that, uh, some companies don't always necessarily do, but there is always the phrase, give the people what they want.
Nintendo, I'm looking at you. Where's my F zero? <laughs> I want my F zero. Just, just give it to me. Just come, don't, don't you love me, Nintendo? <laughs> they love your, they love your money. <laughs> You're yeah, willing to give them that money too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Make F zero. We'll give you money. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, but other than that, that's all I got. Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, keep an eye out. We'll have you know new episodes up once a week for this. Uh, occasionally do uh, Twitch streams and just having a good time. So until next time, be safe, be kind, bottoms up.